All right. Hello, hello. We're back for another episode of Vertigo Voices. Compliment you on your fade out, by the way. Yeah. It's uh, hard to do on that stupid <laughs> fucking thing. <laughs> Either, like, this is uh, this worked for a while, but I still think we need a real theme song. Any musicians out there, do us a solid. Which I'll actually talk about when we talk about today's... Uh, focus of, I don't know, whatever, the fucking book we're reading today. <laughs> Bring up a theme song in that. Um, but anyway, yeah, so I'm Colby. I'm Sophia. And this is Vertigo Voices, talking about Vertigo Comics. All things Vertigo adjacent. That we are. Welcome back to our lovely little podcast on this beautiful Saturday morn. Well, this isn't coming out on Saturday. Well, we're Which talking about that, that, that was a big peek behind the curtain. I don't... Uh, <laughs> That's <laughs> too too real for people listening. <laughs> we are in all times and places. But anyway, thank you for joining us. So we're starting things off with some news. Um, first thing, phone check. We're good. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> Since you've taught me, I've learned so much about mastering iPhones. Really should be doing the phone check like before <laughs> recording, but I feel like it's a part of the series now. Tradition. You gotta, yes. gotta keep the reoccurring jokes alive. <laughs> Um, so anyway, uh, news, um, there has been a new casting announcement for the Sandman TV series. Excellent news. So here, here's, here's the thing. It's somebody that I actually had on my cast list when we did our fantasy cast. Oh. However, this person is not playing the character that I slotted them in for. Okay. So Stephen Fry. Yes. Has announced that he is in the Sandman TV series. He's playing Gilbert. Fiddler's Green. Big, bombastic, chubby guy that quotes, uh, I can't remember who it is now. <laughs> Shakespeare? Nah, maybe. No. I think he quotes a whole bunch. But anyway, regardless, um, Stephen Fry's playing Gilbert, which I think that's fucking perfect. Just give him a mustache. Or don't. I don't care. <laughs> He's to, good to go. Gilbert, Gilbert's visually designed on somebody specific. I can't, I like, I literally read that like six months ago, that, that story. And it's also a part of the, uh audio drama that the doll's house story um but i don't remember who the character looks like because he always looks like teddy roosevelt to me (laughs) (laughs) he's got got the glasses and the bushy mustache he's always grinning like an idiot and it's like teddy roosevelt (laughs) having a grand time no i I didn't think about him for that role but now that you mention it yeah exactly and for some reason gilbert always like in my mind gilbert's always american but i don't know why it's just probably because I'm American. So Roosevelt, you know? <laughs> exactly because I he looks so in my mind he sounds like the guy who played Teddy Roosevelt in the episodes of Young Indiana Jones. <laughs> now you're going back in the archives. He, I think he was only in one episode, but I just remember it was uh, uh, so Indy meets Teddy Roosevelt while on safari, and they go hunting for these like I don't know I can't remember they're like antlered animals. <laughs> and like Indy teaches him about conservation or something. He's like, you can't kill them all, dude. Mm-hmm. And Teddy's like, no, I guess not. You're right, you little bastard. And it's thanks to Indiana Jones yeah. that we got national parks. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Hope you uh, like fight the Nazis someday. <laughs> carry on, carry on. So yeah, that's Gilbert. <laughs> <laughs> Good choice. Good choice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, Stephen Fry classes the fuck out of anything he's in, so. Um, I think he's a great fit for Sandman, which is why he was in my cast list. <laughs> but I had him for Lucian. He would make a good Lucian, too. But yeah, Gilbert. Um, so my other bit, bit of news, I uh, have... I just picked up the new issue of Suicide Squad. There's a new Suicide Squad series that like, started over, basically to drum up interest in the new movie. The variant cover is just a, a really, like heroic shot of Peacemaker, who's one of the main characters in the new movie, and he's getting a fucking spin-off TV series. So clearly they're they're pushing Peacemaker now, and he's a big part of the story. And uh, so the last few years of DC's continuity has been a goddamn mess. I can't keep track of anything. Ever since the new 52, I just don't fucking care. Largely about DC. Well, this issue of the Suicide Squad, I basically just picked it up because it's the number one. And I, I like the Suicide Squad, but I haven't liked the comic in ten years. So I picked it up just to just kind of have it. And I opened up the first page, and the very first page, it's like Rick Flagg narrating, and it shows images of past squads. And the very first one is Ostrander's squad from the 80s. Oh. 
It's like all that shit's back in continuity now. It's like, okay, all right, you got me. <laughs> so then the second page shows that Flag is talking to Waller, and Waller turns around, and guess what? She's fat again. All the return right. of Fat Waller. Yay. It's like, all right, well, you, you double dipped. Like, I'm, I'm totally into this new squad now, putting it on my reading list. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was a pretty decent first issue. Again, largely followed uh, Peacemaker, the character that they brought back into continuity, the Superboy clone from the 90s. Oh, really? I think, he would, I think he'd been written out of continuity after New 52. No, I don't know. Not New 52, maybe Rebirth. I don't give a shit about all these continuity changes. He got lost somewhere. Yeah, but he's like, he's like wearing his mid-2000s costume and everything, so I, I really liked seeing that. And, uh, That's fun. Interested to see where it goes from there. And there was... Oh, fuck. I forgot to look this up beforehand. So there's a character in it that... Peacemaker, maybe. I can't. There's this, there's this character in it that Peacemaker or somebody else refers to as film buff, I think. Oh. And this character looks like Grant Morrison when Grant Morrison was in DC Comics. That was Grant Morrison's character. <laughs> he was on the Suicide Squad for a while because of because of Morrison's appearances in Animal Man. Okay. They folded him in the Suicide Squad. It was a big meta thing. But anyway, this character looks like Grant Morrison's character in the Suicide Squad. But I couldn't tell if it was supposed to be that character or not. So, because they didn't call him Grant or the writer, which was his name in the comic. Mm. So anyway, regardless, doesn't matter. Um, I should have should have looked into that beforehand. <laughs> all well, all well and good. But anyway, Fat Waller's back. That was my big takeaway. I uh, lamented the loss of Fat Waller a few episodes ago, saying that that was my favorite take on the character, and now she's back. So everyone's happy. Good. Yay. There are some things right in the world. Yeah. Uh, speaking of things right, I got a message from listener Cyberspace Comics. You may know as the uh, retailer that gave us the giant box of comics. Yes. Gave us, sold, <laughs> sold me a giant box of comics. Um, anyway, uh, he got in touch and said he listened to the episode, really liked it, and highly suggested that I try out Testament. Okay. A comic that we got a few issues of. Spent some time on eBay a few days ago looking through their site and buying some more comics. And then when I checked out, I got a message from him that said, like, dude, no testament? <laughs> <laughs> Not a one. So I responded back, like, I sorry, I gotta plug up some other holes in my in my <laughs> collection. Then I'll dive into testament. <laughs> I swear I'll be back. Apparently that's one we need to look into. Yeah. <laughs> And then the last bit, um, I got a couple other recent comic acquisitions. Um, I think I, I didn't bring this up on the show, but I talked about it to you the other day. This comic called Vertical. Yes! It's a Vertigo comic by Stephen T. Siegel from Man of Action. It's a writing group. Um, with art by Mike Alred and Philip Bond, who is the husband of Shelley Bond. Oh. And, uh, and then with Laura Alred, she, Mike and Laura are a team. Um, anyway, it's like, it's this weird sideways, I don't know how to describe it. It's really thin, and it looks, uh, it's weird. Like, you read it sideways than you would a regular comic. I haven't read it yet, I haven't even cracked into it, but it just came in the mail the other day. It's folded up like a map, almost. Like you'd keep in your car. No, it's not. It's, uh... <laughs> well, it looks like a pamphlet, almost. Yeah, well, because well, it's not actually folded. Yeah. It's literally a stapled comic book. It's just sideways, see? Just in terms of appearance, I haven't seen one like that. Yeah, me either. There's an issue of New X-Men in like the mid-early 2000s that had like a similar vibe, but it was the same same dimensions of a regular comic. <laughs> Not like this. <laughs> so anyway, I'm really excited. It's got some, uh, like the paper quality is really nice and thick. I'm excited to read that eventually. And then the other recent acquisition. So a few days ago on Twitter, man, I say a few days, it was like, two or three weeks ago on Twitter, <clears throat> somebody commented about Neil Gaiman writing a, a Riddler story in a Batman Secret Origins. And I was able to track it down. So this is a Secret Origins special from 1989. The funny thing is this cover by uh, Brian Ballin, this cover is like a, like a classic Batman image. Like most fans have seen this cover as like a poster or in a magazine or whatever. And I didn't realize that it was, it was this issue. But the specific Riddler story by Neil Gaiman is called When is a Door? And it's called The Secret Origin of the Riddler, but it's really not. <laughs> it's, it's this 
team of uh, like investigative reporters interviewing the Riddler in this warehouse full of oversized items, <laughs> like props that you'd see on the old Batman TV show. Mm-hmm. As the Riddler kind of lamenting the change in tone of essentially comics. He was like, yeah, back in the back in the good old days, it was all dumb fun. Like, you know, we were just causing mischief and robbing banks. And I used to have these sidekicks named Mark, 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 and Mark. <laughs> and uh, and he's like, but now everything's changed. Like, I mean, look at the Joker. He's murdering people now. Like, we didn't murder people back then. And uh, so it's mostly a comment about the state of comics in the 80s and that late 80s ultra dark vibe that everything was going for in the wake of Dark Knight Returns and Batman Year One and all that. So it's absolutely not a Riddler origin at all, but just him talking about that. And it's fun. Like, it was a fun little short story. But uh, so, somebody had posted about it on on Twitter, and Gaiman responded by saying, like, that's probably the best thing I've ever written. Oh. So that's like, well, I gotta fucking read that. <laughs> so he tracks it down and read it, and it's it's a fine story, but it's definitely not the best thing he's ever written. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's nice that he thinks so, but yeah. you've got yourself some treasures there. Yeah, and this was like surprisingly cheap. This I found on eBay for with shipping, it was like six dollars. Oh, there's some that are going for significantly more than that for some reason. Like this isn't in bad shape. It's probably not. Sorry, not like perfect A plus shape, but it's it's really good shape. It looks yeah, it looks good. But there was one for like twenty five dollars with eighteen dollars shipping, <laughs> and some some around that price. And then there's some for like three dollars, six dollars, eight. I don't know, whatever. So this was I don't know, probably probably the the best uh, condition for the lowest price that I found. So anyway, it's it's uh, worthy to have in a collection. Not a bad one at all. I haven't read the Two-Face or Penguin stories yet, but I'll get around to them eventually. Because, I mean, I was just in it for the gaming. <laughs> and now you've got it. When Neil Gaiman posts on Twitter, this is the best thing I've ever written, I'm going to fucking buy it. <laughs> right. You pay attention. Yeah. yeah. He probably he must, like, own stock in this issue. <laughs> so, That's it. Yeah. He, he's looking at his bank account thinking, like, huh, could use some new tires on my car. <laughs> And next next week is going to be like, actually, you know what? Like Sandman issue 41 uh, is the best issue I've ever written. Except, except uh, not any issue. You have to buy it from this one specific store that I own. <laughs> and it's a bidding war, so may the best man win. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but anyway, so that was uh, that was my recent news and acquisitions and what's not. I've got a pile of comics coming in from Cyberspace Comics, so I'll have some more stuff to talk about next time, maybe. Uh, so, on to the main focus of the episode. We're going to be looking at The Wolf Among Us. And people listening are like, The Wolf Among Us? That's a video game. That has nothing to do with comic books. Ew, what are comics? <laughs> well, as a matter of fact, it has a lot to do with comic books. Do you want to do the book report, or shall I? Hey, well, it's a prequel to Fables. There you go. The end. <laughs> the end. <laughs> so yeah, The Wolf Among Us was originally a video game by Telltale Games. And uh, Telltale Games are famous for their sort of point-and-click adventure-ish games. Like, point-and-click were really popular on PCs in the early 90s. And, you know, like the mouse, you... Wait, listen. <laughs> Click on what you want to do. <laughs> and uh, Telltale developed these games over the last well they're technically not around the studio isn't around anymore the studio that made this game at least they've since come back in a new form but uh they developed episodic story driven games that were uh the choices that you make change the outcome like everything's player dependent and they had a lot of success with their walking dead series they had a bunch of games based on the walking dead which were all the same style as this and had kind of a cel-shaded art style to them. Since then, the franchise has just exploded. Like, they did a Guardians of the Galaxy game. They did a Batman game and a Batman sequel. They did a Back to the Future game. They did really? a Jurassic Park game. Oh, wow. <laughs> they've done, they've done, literally just done as any franchise they can get their hands on. And they've, they've all been met with pretty uh, positive reviews. One of my favorites was a Borderlands game. Like, Borderlands is a series of run-and-gun looting games like you just fucking run around and shoot guys and get better guns and that's that's the entirety of the game you just 
constantly getting better weapons. Right. So they, they took it, and it, it's it's got like a weird sense of humor and kind of a fun story to it. But they, they took a game that was essentially about guns and turned it into this really quirky, weird, funny, character-driven story with zero guns in it. In fact, the, one of my favorite things about that Borderlands game, it features an entire huge drawn out shootout that's literally just finger guns. <laughs> what? It's this whole room full of dudes going, baby, you like mimicking throwing <laughs> grenades and, and just <laughs> and you literally you have to play through it. Like, oh quick, move left, move right, and hit A to shoot. <laughs> So everyone's just finger gunning. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's it's a profoundly, amazingly cool scene. Like, one of the best scenes in a video game I've ever played. And so and that's the kind of games that they make. They make really quirky, character-driven, interesting games. They, oh, they made a, a few based on Sam and Max, the old LucasArts characters. Oh, really? Rabbit and Dog. That I heard were, of them, yeah. Like, like, Private Eyes or Cops or whatever. They're just a really cool developer. Um, and so they decided to make a game based on fables. And instead of... Instead of making it their own, like with the Batman games, it's very tied into the Batman lore, but it's their own story in their own universe. It doesn't tie into anything. One, actually, one of my favorite things about their Batman series is that aspect of it. They have a completely different take on Harley Quinn. It's absolutely different from any I've ever seen in that she is a villain before the Joker is. Oh, really? The Har- Harley Quinn is this, like, gang lord in Gotham, and Joker is just this mental patient who is trying to find his way in the world. And he ends up like becoming obsessed with Harley and doing anything he can to make her like him. Huh. That's a nice twist. Yeah. Different. And that, that game, you can befriend Joker as Bruce Wayne and Batman. And you can either push him towards the, the side of becoming a vigilante. Or you can ignore him and like be mean to him. And that will push him into being a villain. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So again, it's like a really open world. But uh, but with Fables, they did the opposite of that, and they strictly stuck to the confines of the Fables story. Um, but instead of tying it into any specific storyline in the comic, they made it a prequel and mostly used new characters. Okay. Oh, good point. And for those of you who are listening, saying, uh, what? I don't understand any of this. Uh, you don't have to play the game before you read the comic. Like, well, that was what I was just going to say. Uh, spun out of that game, Vertigo made a miniseries based on it to kind of bring it into continuity with a comic, I guess. Because since the game is so open-ended, there's many different ways, like some characters can die, some characters can live. So they took kind of the choices from that game and boiled it down into a comic series so that there's a, an actual, like, in-continuity version of the story. Yes, yes. There's what, we were just talking about this, 15? 16. 16. Yeah, 16 books. And Issues. The, 16 issues. Issues, excuse me. <laughs> books are different when we're talking about comics. <laughs> okay, all right. There's 16 issues, or 16 books of this, this would be... I don't know, like 160 issues. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 16 comics. And they're very good. I enjoyed them quite a lot. And I've never played the game. I only heard about it through you. And I did watch some YouTube clips per your recommendation. And yeah, it's I yeah. really like what they've done with the Fable stories. Yeah. I think the game is fucking amazing. It's probably my favorite of Telltale's games. I haven't played them all, but I've played a good chunk of them. And uh, this is probably my favorite. I just has it has the distinct feel of the Fables comic, that weird mixture of like childhood whimsy and then like gritty adult detective story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's got an absolutely amazing soundtrack. I wish I could use the theme song for that game as the theme song to this show, <laughs> like the opening credits theme. And that is a good theme. I don't know. I don't know how if that falls into fair use or what. Um, <laughs> Because I would absolutely love to just put, like, a 10-second clip of that at the beginning of every episode. It's a very, like, synth-heavy soundtrack. It reminds me of the movie Drive. They do a good job of, of evoking the era of the 80s. Yeah. With the music and the look. Yeah, exactly. And I don't, I don't know that there is a definite time frame that it fits into. Does it, is it set in the 80s? Did it say that? Yeah, I thought it was supposed to be no. set in the 80s. I just know it's a prequel to the comics. <laughs> the comics that's what takes place in, quote, present day, which is like 2002 or three or whatever. So anyway, so the actual meat and potatoes, like a story of the game, follows Big B Wolf, 
the big bad wolf of folklore, which I guess I should actually then talk about fables, like the actual comic, because <laughs> the, the whole story of fables is about legendary characters of mankind's nursery rhymes and stories and all that um, from the land of make-believe coming to the real world and having to like live their mundane lives stuck in the real world. It's a huge complicated story as to why they had to do that. So if you're wondering, just go read the comic. <laughs> it's only like 15 books, <laughs> which is, yeah, I, I, if you're doing the deluxe, Maybe it's like 16. I don't know. It's, it's, it's like 150 issues. <laughs> but uh, it's a really good series. I've actually not even read the whole thing. I've only read about half. Uh, I need to get back into it. Me too. So, uh, but anyway, it's, read it and you'll figure out why they had to do that and who all the characters are. But the, the game is largely populated by new characters who aren't in the overall Fables series with the exception of the main character, Bigby, who's the sheriff of Fable Town, and his, I think he deputizes her in the in the comic, Snow White. I, I thought that she was kind of his boss, so to speak. Well, yeah, but in this, in the comic, he, he deputizes her so she can help out with the... Oh, uh, uh, yeah, the investigation. Because yeah. she's like the secretary of Fable Town or something, the secretary mayor. A secretary to acting mayor, it could be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the actual mayor is... Old King Cole. Yeah, Old King Cole, who is in the comic, the comic series proper quite a bit. But Ichabod Crane is only in one issue of the comic, which is technically a sequel to this series. Because at the end of this series, he just fucks off and goes to Paris. Yes. You know, he, like, leaves because uh, of the scandal of the series. And in, uh, in that one issue of Fables, it's like issue 21 or 22, I can't remember exactly. But do you, you want to know a spoiler? What happens to him? What happens to him? Big B sends an assassin to go kill him. <laughs> nice. Okay. I support that character decision. It's a really cool issue that brings up, in kind of a roundabout way, this series. Oh, excellent. Yeah. They talk about his past and kind of the, the things that he got up to in office and why he deserves to die. <laughs> <laughs> and he does, dear listeners. He does. So, so the, main, the main story is about Big B following leads and trying to solve a murder of a fable. Fable gets her head cut off and put on his front doorstep, and he's trying to figure out why that happened. And that brings him into conflict with all sorts of characters. So there's there are characters from the comic that are in it. Like I mentioned Ichabod, Barely, and Snow White. But then like the Magic Mirror, he's from the comic, and Buffkin, the uh, the flying monkey. <laughs> <laughs> a drunken flying monkey. <laughs> yeah. Bluebeard makes scant appearances, but he's a pretty major antagonistic character in the comic. And then Colin, one of the three little pigs, <laughs> is constantly breaking into Bigby's house. They, he and uh, Bigby have kind of a lovingly, I don't know, a tete a tete. Yes, yes, they They're, do. They, uh, Colin blames Bigby for destroying his home, <laughs> <laughs> which is not wrong. <laughs> yeah. And so he all like the non-human-looking fables, like the three little pigs or Mister Toad, are forced to live on this place called the farm which is like upstate New York, this area where the non-human fables can live and not be under the watchful eye of humans. And Colin of the Three Little Pigs keeps breaking out of the farm <laughs> and going to live with Big B, like crash on his couch, <laughs> steal his smokes. Right. Drink his scotch. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, Beauty and the Beast are also in this. Yes. They're in the comic as well. Um, but other than that, there's a lot of new characters from folklore who are introduced in this, like, uh, the game and the comics starts with Big B getting into a fucking knockdown, drag out fight with the woodsman uh, from Little Red Riding Hood, who is a really interesting layered character in this. Like, you know, in the story, he's just an unimpeachable hero. And in this, he starts off as just a piece of shit beating on this woman. And then the more you find out about him, the more you find, like, just what a tragically useless guy he is. Dysfunctional. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a really, really interesting. There's, there's something about putting so much characterization into these broad, mythical characters that have never had that before. <laughs> it's really interesting to me. Yeah, yeah. They take it a little bit deeper than, um, than just the surface level of what would it be like if all of these 
figures and characters from our fairy tales and myths were plopped into modern times. Mm-hmm. A lot of these, a lot of this is really good character writing. Yeah, exactly. And if I sound surprised, it's only because, you know, most of the time when you hear media that stems from video games. Yeah, exactly. Well, this is, so this is, uh, what, a video game adaptation of a comic. So this is a comic book adaptation of a video game adaptation of a comic that's based on, you know, mythology and folklore throughout the globe. Right. <laughs> Over centuries and centuries. Yeah. <laughs> and then, so some of the other characters that this introduces are Tweedledee and Tweedledum. They're like too muscly, or not muscly, they're the, the muscle. They're like, they're like uh, bruisers working for uh, the Crooked Man, who's the villain of the piece. And his, uh, his other enforcer, Bloody Mary, oh, yeah. is, in the game, she is fucking horrifying. The comic, I mean, it's just, she's just less so because she's on the page. <laughs> but in the game, seeing her move and bleed and everything, it's just really intense. And then... Oh, his other, like, sidekick, the Jersey Devil, another new character, <laughs> as well as Johan the Butcher from uh, Rub-a-Dub-Dub. Oh, that's right, sub. that's <laughs> right, okay. His butcher shop isn't featured in the comic very much, but it's a big point of interest in the game. So, in the game, like I said, everything branches. There's a point in the, in the story where you can either go to the Jersey Devil's pawn shop or to the butcher's butcher shop. And if you go to one and then try to go to the other, it's closed. So in, in the comic adaptation, he goes to the, the pawn shop right. and has the big fight with the Jersey Devil. Because that's way more interesting than what happens at the, at the butcher shop. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Oh, and then uh, some other characters are Jack Horner, who's the Jack of Fables. He's actually a huge character in the comic. He even gets his own spinoff comic called Jack of Fables. Oh, I haven't read that one yeah. at all. Um, he's he's a, like a big character throughout fables like he pops up in a lot of stories he's never he's never like the lead but he's often a, a the inciting incident of quite a few stories <laughs> and and then he gets his own spinoff even the little mermaids in it <laughs> clever hans who is a character that i did not know about beforehand he, he's the bouncer at georgie porgy's uh he nightclub. is yeah yeah i'm trying to remember the, his fairy tale which i guess really doesn't matter right now but Clever Hans, we've, I've heard of him. Oh, um, the main character that kind of sets things in motion is the donkey skin girl. Yes. Which that was a, a folklore, legend, whatever the fuck you call him. That, that was a story that I'd never heard of before. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember playing the game when it came out in 2013 or whatever. Fuck, it feels like a long time ago now. <laughs> 2013, that's eight years ago. Is it really? Well, it's 2021. Don't make me do math. I only one cup of coffee. <laughs> that's, that's insane. That this game insane. doesn't feel that old. Christ. I feel like I just played it. Um, anyway, <laughs> back to reality here. Um, the donkey skin girl, I, I remember playing that and being like, what the fuck is that? And then reading the story like on Wikipedia. <laughs> that's an insane story. A donkey that shits gold. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't heard that version before. Um, I've got an old book of like, it's it's Grimm's Grimace, and it's supposed to be all the Grimm fairy tales in their um, unadulterated, uncensored, undisneyfied form. Yeah. And Snow White, when they're doing their investigation, actually brings it up in the comics. It's, um, what is it? I'm going to, my German is horrible. Let's just preface that. Alleleiro, it's called. Wait, I'm on it. <laughs> I literally, that was just... Oh, there you up. go. <laughs> yeah. The Thousand Furs. Yes, yeah. Um, same concept, but it's interesting to see, again, how legends vary from culture to culture. Like, the shitting donkey is not in this one. <laughs> it says that there are others, like Capo Rush's donkey skin, cat skin, little cat skin, the king who wished to marry his daughter, the she-bear, mossy coat, Tatter coats, the princess who wore a rabbit skin dress, Katie Wooden Cloak, and the bear. There you go. This is a well told story. <laughs> <laughs> but you see how it never got its own Disney adaptation. Yeah, exactly. Because it's all about. Well, it's, yeah, it's, it's about, a, it's about a, a guy with a, sh- with a donkey that shits gold, and then he becomes obsessed with his daughter. Right. And she thinks the only way out of getting you know, fucked by her dad <laughs> is to uh, have the donkey killed. Right. And, and use, use its fur, and then she leaves. Yeah, anyway, it's a big, big damn thing. Um, but yeah, exactly. There's really no way to Disney-fy that. No, no. Uh, but it works perfectly in uh, The Wolf Among Us. Yeah. Well, I love how, how Bigby isn't aware of the story, so he goes to Buffkin, the flying monkey who is in charge of the library of Fable Town, 
and has him like look up the story and Buffkin's reading it to him and at one like it's all told like it's a fairy tale, you know, like right. the font changes and you're looking at like woodcuts. And then at one point when he's like, yeah, and then the dad wanted to fuck his daughter or whatever, <laughs> then it cuts back to, to Bigby just staring at him going, he goes, that's fucked up. And then it goes right back into the fairy tale. <laughs> it is fucked up, yes. <laughs> and it's illustrated, like you said, with those woodcuts that have such whimsy yeah. about them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The book does a really good job of uh, incorporating, and the game does it too. The game and the book both uh, incorporate like the the folklore fairy tale style into whenever you hear a story like that. Right. Exactly. That's pretty cool. And then, so in the, in the fairy tale, she runs off and marries uh, a prince. Yes. What was his name? Lawrence. Prince Lawrence. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. And so then in the game, like he, he's like then the prime suspect, you know? Uh, so they go to find him and he's just laying in his apartment with a bullet hole in his chest. <laughs> and, uh, I love how, like, when they go up to him, they, they find that he's been laying there for days. Like, he <laughs> shot himself, and he's just been decaying for days. And as they're, like, investigating the body, his eyes pop open. Right. And I remember, uh, what's her name? Uh, Snow White goes, Bigby, he's alive! And Bigby goes, I've seen alive people before. That assessment is generous. <laughs> <laughs> they touch upon that several times in the book, and that uh, uh, fables are hard to kill. Yeah, exactly. And I think in the comic, too, I might be wrong about this, but it's darkly funny because he's, like, been there for a week. Yeah. And not only did he shoot himself, he, he stabbed also, himself. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and he still couldn't die. Yeah. So in, in that point, at that point in the game and in the comic, they Bigby and Snow White hide because they somebody's trying to break in, and that's when they meet the Ds. Um Tweedledee and... Wait, no. The Tweedles. Excuse yes. me. Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Not the whatever so they hide and so in the game uh you can make the choice to leave the gun with lawrence because he's supposed to play dead and maybe he's like oh, i'll just leave it with him uh that way he can pr protect himself if he needs to so in the game if you do that you can go into the into the closet and hide and the first time i was playing it i'm sitting there just watching as tweedles uh digging around the apartment and Lawrence is sitting there playing dead, and he, as he's laying there, he then slowly raises the gun up and shoots himself. I was like, "God damn it, <laughs> Lawrence!" Yeah. I didn't even notice it at first until he was like halfway up, and then, and then I, I, at that point, I was like, "Fuck, do I just like he totally just killed himself now?" Like, so do I? Do I go back and try to stop him? And it turns out, yes, you can stop him, and that's actually, I believe, the first time in a telltale game that a character's fate is completely dependent on the player. Oh, really? Like, one of my big issues with their Walking Dead series is it doesn't seem to matter what choice you make. Like, if a character's gonna die, they're gonna fucking die eventually. <laughs> you, uh -huh. can, you can either save their life here and watch them die later, or you can let them die there and then someone else will die later. <laughs> and it's just this constant, like, meat grinder of just throwing characters in and watching them get torn to pieces. Which is a lot like the For Walking sure, Dead yeah, show. Yeah. <laughs> Falls in line. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like. But I, I remember, so then I went back and did it again and saved Lawrence. And in the comic, he, he survives. Um, but then he just kind of disappears in the narrative. And uh, in the video game, he comes back briefly at the troll's funeral. Lily, right? Yeah. Yeah. She's the sister of the troll under the bridge. From, yeah. uh, three, three billy goats gruff? Is that what it's called? I think so, yeah. Billy, I don't know. I don't know how many fucking goats there were. Three. You got it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and so that, that brings up the troll, Holly, owns a bar in Fable Town that's frequented, frequented by Grendel from uh, Beowulf. Big fucking monster in Beowulf. And he's very well illustrated in the book. I love his design. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he looks cool. And I love how he has the big fight with Big B and then gets his arm torn off. Again? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, it's one of those things and it's going to happen to Grendel. Yeah. But when, uh, what, and uh, again, like I brought up earlier about the story of the woodsman and how since these fables are also well told, there's multiple versions of them, even in our lives. But in the comic series, it's the same thing where Bigby has his version of events, the Wolfman, or Wolfman, Jesus, the Woodsman has his version of events, and then, and then, like, Grendel tells his own version of the story, which is, I don't know, very comedic and weird. And it is. There's, like, some of the things where he's talking about the, 
Bigby's seeing uh, Little Red Riding Hood. He's like, he's thinking fucking A. I'm going to get all that shit. Some motherfucker hightails it down to Granny's, like cozy little cottage where Granny is. <laughs> he just eats that old bitch right up like she was a fucking jalapeno popper or some shit. <laughs> And then big the wolf is in bed with like a beret yeah, on a cigarette. <laughs> yeah. the, the, the illustration is like a cartoon all of a sudden. Yeah, exactly. You know what's the only thing that stopped him? Fucking Woody, that's who. <laughs> yeah, like Woody's there, like wacha, wacha, and fucking axe, man. He's like, here's some stones for your belly, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and then it ends with uh, the woodsman and Little Red Riding Hood flipping off the, the corpse. Know, the corpse <laughs> of the big me. Get on down the river. Fuck you. And then everyone's like, yeah, he's a hero. And Little Red let him do some riding. Probably. <laughs> a little embellished, that story. <laughs> oh, who knows? Who knows what the proper version is? <laughs> True. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's, there's, and there's, again, several instances like that. Like you're saying, when we're hearing the story of Donkey Skin, then we hear that. And then... When the woodsman tells his own story, uh, his own version of how things went down, I like how the art style changes for each one. Yeah. So that, that brings up another quick thing about this book. Um, so this was originally published as a webcomic. Oh. And instead of issues, it was like parts of an issue. So each one of these issues is, I think, four parts of the webcomic just put together. Okay. And because of that, as a comic book, its pacing feels really fucking weird to me. Like, these issues are way too long. <laughs> That's not the length of an ag- or average comic book. Okay, yeah. And I've been reading so many goddamn comics over the last year or so, um, just with COVID. I- I've been just hammering through my collection. So reading this now, it feels so weird to read, like, an issue of Human Target and then this, like, back-to-back. It feels <laughs> really odd. And there's very few ads in this, too. That's true. And, and it just, it's very weighty. And uh, it's not to say it's bad or anything, but to me, it felt really weird reading it. Mm. No, that's a good point. I didn't notice that when I was reading it, but at the same time, I guess I kind of felt it. Like, just yeah. the, and the only ad I can remember seeing in the books now is for, uh, just because it was a beautiful ad, was for a Sandman uh, chess set. Oh, yeah. And that's the only ad I can remember seeing. But good point. The I other think. thing, like, with that webcomic style the art changes four times in every issue (laughs) and there's an issue 13 the scene where bigby is talking to beast and beauty at their apartment Mm -hmm. i don't i can't remember who the artist is in that issue but i fucking hate it (laughs) (laughs) bigby looks like the goddamn hulk he's huge (laughs) and it doesn't match like anything else that same artist comes back in a couple other issues but there was that one, I was like, I don't like this at all. <laughs> and he just, he looks like a big Neanderthal. It looks really weird. Too muscle-bound. Yeah. Well, not even muscle-bound, just thick <laughs> and tall. He's like as tall as Beast. And Beast is supposed to be a big muscle-bound idiot. Right. And, and Bigby looks exactly the same as him in those scenes. I just, I didn't like it. And this book has, excuse me, these comics have a lot of uh, different writers and artists, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Well, I think it's it's got, like, the same couple writers. I think there's two or three writers. Is there? Okay. I think so. They go through the whole series. But uh, but there's, like, a rotating cast of artists. There's some discontinuity between some of the art. No, that's fair. I, I'm trying to remember which issue it is. I, I can't remember the number, but it's the one where Snow and Bigby are looking at the second murder victim's body, Lily. And there's a noticeable difference when you open that comic in terms of, like, the line work and how the colors are a little bit more muted. It's yeah. not bad, but it is just noticeably different. Yeah. And really, any time there's a difference in art mid-issue, it's going to be noticeable. Right. right. <laughs> I would prefer not. Like, I'd prefer to just have streamlined art throughout it, but whatever. I mean, it could be worse. There you go. It wasn't, wasn't that... I don't know. Upsetting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Not too distracting. But one thing that was distracting to me... There's a storyline in this book that's wholly original to the book. It's not in the video game. And that's uh, all the flashbacks. Oh. So it starts, I don't know, issue four or five or something. There's a flashback to Bigby in Salem with Ichabod. Right. And so that first thing to me, that's official. 
Uh, the Crucible is now a Vertigo adaptation. <laughs> that it is. Because <laughs> it features, like, John Proctor, Giles Corey, <laughs> Tatuba, Abigail Williams, yeah. <laughs> All these characters from The Crucible are major characters in this story point. And even Abigail Williams ends up coming back. She does. Like, later in the story. Yeah. So, yeah, none of that's in the game. None of Bloody Mary's backstory. None of the Crooked Man's backstory. Like, none of that is in the game. That's all original to this story. Which then brings up a character, the Knave of Hearts. Oh, yes. The Knave of Hearts is unique in that I believe he's the only fable to only show up in this comic. Oh, he doesn't show up in the game he's at all. Not, he's not in the game because he's only in the comic in the backs, in the flashbacks. Right. So he's not in the game and he's not in the series proper. Okay. So they found definitely found their own way to, uh, like you say, pay homage to their source, the roots, and make their own thing. Which Bloody Mary's backstory is fucking intense. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm I kind of that's one of those folklores. Uh, that I'm familiar with. I mean, I know what it is, but at the same time, what's the backstory? There is no backstory. I mean, the backstory of Bloody Mary is just a scare thing, you know? Look in the mirror, say Bloody Mary three times. She's like, hell yeah. I think the there's like a fake backstory that has probably arose in the internet culture, but I don't think there is any definite backstory to her character in Not reality. really based in... Because th- this backstory they give her in the book is all new. But it involves like a mirror world and this weird reflection of a prince that gets her pregnant... And then the scene where she, like, breaks the the glass baby is fucking intense. <laughs> like, let me just hold my baby. Like, fine, if I can have you, can't crash. <laughs> Very volatile that way. But yeah. I didn't see any of her, um, I didn't watch any of her clips on YouTube. I didn't see any of her stuff. But. She's cool. She's a good villain. Um, in the game, she first shows up in, like, that alley fight with the D, the, fuck, I keep saying the Ds, the Tweedles. <laughs> Outside of the pawn shop. Um, and I think one of the Tweedles can die in the game, too, depending on how you play it. You can kill one of them. Huh. Oh, another lesser-known fable, Dr. Swinehart. Yeah, I, I admit, I, I drew a blank on that yeah. one. I couldn't remember what he was from at all. I had to look him up because back in the day. Because um, he's he's in the Fables comic book. He's one of the characters that pops up like quite a bit, but just to like patch up the hero or whatever. And the, the name of his fable... It's called Three Army Surgeons. And it's a story about these three doctors that stay at a inn or something, and each one claims that they're the best at what they can do. So they, they each remove an organ, and a cat comes and takes them. After seeing the organs gone, uh, so then one of the... The guy that cut his hand off gets a new hand from a thief who was hanging on the gallows. Uh, pig heart for the... The Dr. Swinehart. <laughs> and then another surgeon removed his eyes, so he gets the eyes of a cat. Okay. In the morning, the doctors reattach the missing members using the salve they carry with them. They have this, like, magic salve that lets them do that. Uh, after going on the road again, the doctor could not see with his reinstalled eyes and had the others guide him. Another doctor started rooting around in the dirt. Um, <laughs> while they reached another inn, the third doctor could not help stealing. They traveled back to the inn and were told, Oh, sorry, fucked up, gave you the wrong, <laughs> wrong pieces. <laughs> And then they paid them reparations. The end. <laughs> <laughs> they all lived happily ever after. I love this. On the Wikipedia, it says, he paid them enough to retire, though they still wanted their original organs back. Well, <laughs> like you do. <laughs> Remember, kids, don't lose your hand or heart. <laughs> right? Don't, yeah, don't, uh, don't cut out your own heart. <laughs> and I just love that, because, like, yeah, he's a doctor that gets his heart replaced with a pig's heart, so his name's Dr. Swinehart. Makes sense. <laughs> all right. <laughs> So what um, I was going to ask you in terms of the game, there's all this talk. Uh, I did hear this, that last year, no, it would have been last year, it would have been 2019, that they did announce there's going to be a part two. Yeah, so there's been a, there's been talk of a part two forever, like since the first game came out. And uh, in 2019, maybe it was 2018, Telltale Games reformed, it was like a new company under some other company I don't fucking remember. It's all shit that doesn't matter to me because I don't care about business stuff. <laughs> um, so they reformed, and then was LCG Entertainment bought them, apparently. And so in December 2019, they released a, a brief teaser trailer for a sequel. Because the game actually ends on a big cliffhanger that the comic kind of does, but not really. Mm-hmm. Another thing, you can you can choose what to do with... The Crooked Man in the game. <laughs> you can either like toss him down the well or put him in a 
prison cell or like turn him into a bird or something. So he's just fluttering around. Mm-hmm. In the comic, he kind of escapes. It's implied that he's going to be back. So I, I don't know. I don't know. I have any idea what the story is going to be for the sequel. When this game first came out, I was hoping they were going to do a sequel that was unconnected, like follow Jack of Fables or Cinderella or something. Because this is a rich goddamn world with a lot of stuff you could do. Right. So doing a direct sequel just seemed kind of, I don't know, wasteful. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I absolutely adore the character of Bigby Wolf. So <laughs> I will take any excuse to play as him, so I'm not that broken up over it. So you take what you can get. Do you think there's a possibility that if it actually happens, they might do another comic adaptation? Or they just they, they, the fable? They might, but it'll be a black label since Vertigo doesn't exist anymore. Um, and I, I don't know, that, that, would, that would be complicated too with Bill Willingham, who like owns a chunk of the Fables IP because he created the comic. That's true. I actually read a thing, like a thread of his on Twitter just the other day where he talked about, somebody asked him why there hasn't been a Fable adaptation. And in reality, he's actually pitched Fable TV series to two different studios on two different occasions. And shortly after his pitch and pilots or whatever kind of falling apart, each of those stations has done their own version of basically fables. I wondered about that. <laughs> one was uh, Once Upon a Time, yep. ABC, and the other one was Grimm. That's right. Okay. Which I have seen neither. Yeah, I've heard of them. I've got fables. I don't need those fucking shows. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> but but he, he then said the main reason there hasn't been any movement since then is that it's worth too much as an IP that has no movement on it. So that every year, Warner Brothers can look at their list of properties that they own, and they can show their shareholders that, hey, we own, we own Fables and everything that connects with it. We predict that that's worth about $20 million. So because of that, the shareholders then say, well, that's $20 million in the bank right there. And he goes, if they were to make a movie about that, say, hire a screenwriter, pay him $2 million to get going on a script. Now that $20 million franchise just got sold for $2 million. And it looks like they lost $18 million. In reality, they didn't lose anything. They gained $2 million. But because of the fucking math that shareholders use, it looks like they're losing money when in fact they're not. Right. So he said it's just a big, stupid fucking pain in the ass. And (laughs) because of that, probably there's never going to be like a movie or a TV show based on it because it's worth more as just a... An idea. <laughs> there you go. That solves that. Hollywood arithmetic. <laughs> it works to them. <laughs> okay. Well, what we do have is is enough. I think. I mean, I wouldn't be upset if they uh, if they decided to adapt it. I think it would be a lot of fun. But like you said, when you have the comics, you've read the comics. That exists well enough on its own. Yeah. Exactly. I was looking through my notes, trying to figure out what else we missed. Oh, uh, I briefly mentioned the character of Georgie Porgy at the beginning, because he is introduced midway into the story as a, sort of an antagonistic character, the owner of a strip club called the Puddin' and Pie, <laughs> which I have some merchandise for. And yet, yet another wonderful T-shirt on this <laughs> podcast. I wish you guys could see it. Yeah, I got a T-shirt of the logo of the Puddin' and Pie, and underneath it says, "Discretion is our guarantee." <laughs> It's hard to read upside down. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, he's he's a cool character. I mean, he's sleazy and he's a, a little shit, yeah. but he's funny. In the comic, you can decide what, or sorry, in the video game, you can decide what to do with him also. You can either kill him or let him bleed out because <laughs> he gets <laughs> wounded in the, the melee with the crooked man. And uh, in the comic, he actually murders him. My playthrough of the game, I just let him bleed. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he, he does kind of bring it on himself. Let's put it that way. Well, I love the part where when Bigby is interrogating him, shortly after they first meet, Bigby goes in and he's like, I need answers and blah, blah, blah. And he's looking for like a ledger that, that uh, Georgie has. And he's like, he's like, oh, maybe it's, maybe it's uh, over the bar here and like breaks a bunch of bottles. And, and Georgie's like, no, you idiot. Like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, look at this. Look at this safe I just found. I wonder if it's in the safe. He's like, yeah, idiot, it's in the safe. And he's like, ooh, maybe it's over here with all this expensive DJ equipment. He's like, hey, fuckhead, it's in the safe. Like, you found the safe. <laughs> so then Bigby starts breaking that. And like, ooh, I wonder if it's underneath this chair. Like, what kind of detective are you? It's in the safe. <laughs> Messes up his place, just wrecks it. <laughs> I just love how 
Georgie doesn't get it. He's like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> That's enough. Like, to quote Patton Oswalt, he doesn't see murder when it's like two inches from his face. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is true. And I like how you, you can see in the artwork, too. I mean, because he looks like this, you know, uh, kind of like this pretentious hipster just covered in tattoos, yeah. kind of full of himself. But you can see um, he's got lines from the rhyme tattooed across yeah. his chest. <laughs> he wears his little little bowler hat. Right. And in the game, he... I mean, they kind of replicate it in the speech in the comic, but in the game, he's got a really thick Cockney accent. Oh, yeah. Thicker than blackstrap molasses. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> I feel like we're forgetting some characters. We probably are. There's a lot. There's a lot of characters in this thing. And again, it's like 16 issues, but this is probably is the equivalent of like 25 issues of like regular comics. <laughs> yes, that is true. It's got some thickness to them. Yeah, I think that's the only downside to the comic to me is that it's just paced weird, mm-hmm. and that threw me. Again, I've read so many goddamn comics, and something like that really sticks out in my mind. Well, you are definitely more versed on that kind of stuff. And now that you've pointed it out, I'm like, okay, I can I can see that. Because there was a couple of them where I'm like, it seems like it's taking me a really long time to read this comic. <laughs> but um, I didn't notice. So that that wasn't, you know, too much of a distractor for me. Yeah. If I had any little tiny nitpick, it would probably be the change in art. But yeah. that is just a little nitpick. And it's, and it's, I mean, it's really noticeable. I've actually... I remember in college, I going back to Morrison's new X-Men, in college, like 2003 or four, around the time X-Men 2 came out, the movie, one of my friends, my old roommate Will, his girlfriend was getting into comics, and she'd seen the X-Men movie, and she's like, I really want to read some X-Men. I was like, okay, well, here's uh, Grant, Grant Morrison's new X-Men is a good starting point for new readers. It kind of resets the continuity, and only the only thing you really have to know is that the X-Men are a team of mutants. They've been around for a while, so here you go. And the first couple issues of that series, the art's by Frank Quitely. And then I think the second volume has different artists every issue. See, the second or third volume, I don't know. There's different artists every issue. And after she got done with that one, she was like, yeah, I don't want to read this anymore. I was like, what? And she's like, every, every issue. Like, the art changes from, page, from one page to the next. Like, when I finish one issue and get into the next one, the art's different. And she's like, I don't, I don't like that. I don't, I it's like, okay, I, sorry. It was a turn off. Yeah, it was like a huge, like, she couldn't get past it in her mind that this character is drawn slightly different on this page and then slightly different on that one. Hmm. So apparently that's a big thing for some people. Yeah, I, I suppose. I don't, yeah. I don't think about it too much, but then, well, I take that back. It, it, it really depends. But here it's like, it's so small, it's. It's barely noticeable. It's barely noticeable until it's really noticeable. <laughs> like the whole thing with Hulk Bigby. <laughs> Hulk Bigby, yes, yes. <laughs> I want to try to find that issue now. I really like all the covers, too. I know I say that a lot, but it's true. So, like, there's Bigby. Just right. looking, looking like Bigby. This is actually this artist. I don't know who this artist is. Like, that's very similar to the art style of the comic. I'm sorry. Fuck! It's very similar to the art style of the game. And then, as soon as he goes to talk to, like that, that could be a screenshot from the game. Um, then he goes to talk to old, what's his fuck? Beast. Beast. Oh, wait. Is this the This one? is not the right issue. No. Not at all. Not 13. <laughs> I just wasted a lot of time there. <laughs> okay. I don't know why I thought it was issue 13. I must have had a different note about issue 13, but I deleted my notes as I go. Shouldn't have done that. Never mind. <laughs> Well, it definitely wasn't issue 13. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. Yeah, yeah anyway, it was just, it's just it's very noticeable in that one instance. And I, again, that artist comes back. And I remember when that artist came back, I was like, ah, oh, God, I don't want to see this again. <laughs> <laughs> it's too much, too much. <laughs> but, I, I mean, it's not, again, it's not the worst. I just think that, so I, I think that issue problem combined with the pacing for me gives the comic... A slight Verta slow. Okay. But the video game is a huge vertigo. <laughs> vertigo, go, go. So I think I think if you combine the two then they average out to a vertigo. <laughs> I think so, yeah. <laughs> Add to one another. I guess the thing I enjoyed about this series the most is that and and to some comic lovers out there this might sound like a criticism, but if you've never read a Bill Willingham's fables, I haven't read all of them either. But go ahead and read them. They're a lot of fun. They're they're 
well drawn. It's they're fun stories. Actually, I think that the Wolf Among Us does a better job in terms of story and of fleshing these characters out. Uh, because while Fables is entertaining and it's great to see all of these um, old-fashioned, old-time legends and uh, fairy tales in these books, it really doesn't go that deep in terms of character development and their motivations. Uh, it does eventually. It does eventually, yeah. It, yeah but... the, I think the first volume of Fables is an excellent... So the first volume is called Legends in Exile. Mm-hmm. I think that's an excellent entry point into the series. Oh, yes, yeah. Because um, it sets up the universe and it gives you some kind of the basic motivations of the characters. But as it goes, it gets really deep into the characters and everything. Just like this comic. Um, I, think, I think the video game is a better prequel than the comic series. But I think the comic series is a pretty good prequel, too. And to me, like, there's very few prequels in my mind that you can read or watch or play or whatever before the original the thing that they're the prequel to, you know? But I think this is one that actually works. Oh, absolutely. And as someone who doesn't play video games at all, just from uh, watching you play the game and then watching some of the clips on YouTube, how it ties in with the story and the narration is that the idea that all of these characters uh, have have had to basically flee their homeland. Yeah. And it's really obvious that there is a divide between the have and have not. Yeah, exactly. And that, that's really well done in the game. It is. It is. And the cool thing about it being player's choice is that depending on your choices, you can play into either what Bigby wants to be um, now that he's in this new world and where before he was known as the Big Bad Wolf. And there's so many people who remind him of that. And there's this point in the story where they talk about all the fables who came over to our world have clemency. So no matter what horrible shit you did in your past, you're forgiven. And Bigby holds on to that very tightly, but there's a lot of people who remind him, and it's like, I remember what you did and who you were, and you're not a good guy. Well, and even he does that, too. He does, Like, he like does. With, with Blackbeard. He loves bringing up Blackbeard's past. Blackbeard? Bluebeard. Bluebeard, Bluebeard yeah. sorry. <laughs> he loves bringing up Bluebeard's past. And then when Bluebeard throws it back at him, he's like, Durr. Right, right. <laughs> and the cool thing, again, as someone who doesn't even play the game, but you can play into that in the game. You can either make him someone who is... Who has is trying to turn a new leaf, even though he's a very violent person deep down, and he knows it. And he's uh, good at turn it. Turn a green leaf. <laughs> <laughs> There's a character in the game named Auntie Greenleaf. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Sir. Yes, you can turn that green leaf, um, or you can play into how the other a lot of the other fables perceive him is that he's a violent, cruel dick. Yeah, and it, and it, even within the game, you can. You can learn from your mistakes, or you can choose to ignore them. Right. <laughs> and it's it's really interesting the way that's done. And I think because of that, the game is inherently better than the comic series. And again, I, I think the game may be my biggest vertigo that we've done so far. Oh, really? Like it might be my favorite thing that we've talked about so far. That's a very Indi- individually. I mean, because, like, I'm not going to try to lump all of Sandman together and put, put it against this game. <laughs> <laughs> but, but as individual things, that's probably my biggest vertigo so far. And the comic is, the Wolf Among Us comic is probably the biggest vertislow. Like, like, the highest vertislow. It's just right up there on vertigo territory. <laughs> which is why if you average them, you get a vertigo. <laughs> it all balances out in the end. <laughs> yeah. And just the characterizations, again, are very well done. Like, um, I love the... It's a very small thing, but, like, Toad of Toad Hall, his yeah. car is a Mustang. Yeah. Which is funny to me, because um, if, you know, the original Wind in the Willows, um, I don't know why that particular tale stuck with me as much as it has over the years, but, like, Toad is a wreck. He's, like, a rich, um, self-centered wreck in Wind in the Willows. He, like, he totals, like, seven cars his friends have to lock him in his house <laughs> and then he goes on like this this driving spree and in uh, the wolf among us he's just kind of this um uh former ne'er-do-well kind of lives in a tenement and he's got this mustang that is rather humorously destroyed yeah, the story begins <laughs> with it being destroyed yeah. <laughs> so yeah so one thing go- going back to this being like a good entry point for people um, one of the things that I like about it is the title. If you notice, 
So on the book, it says Fables, The Wolf Among Us. The video game, like the box art, doesn't reference fables at all. No. It's just called The Wolf Among Us. Mm-hmm. And you see Bigby Wolf, and obviously if, you, if you're familiar with the comic, you can put two and two together. But for new readers, or I'm sorry, new players, I guess, there's no connection to the comic book. Mm-hmm. And you'd have to like draw that connection yourself after you played it. And I think that's an interesting marketing gimmick. Because so often you want to tie all the IP stuff together, you know? You want to get the video game that ties into the comic, that ties into the other comic, that ties into the novel, that ties into the action figures or whatever. So the fact that they purposely distance themselves from the source material, to me, makes it look like they're trying to get new players or readers interested. And that I've... It's an interesting strategy. It is. It is. I've never seen that strategy before. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're right. Usually it's uh, you're getting hit over the head with multiple marketing. <laughs> I have one last note, which again, like I talked about earlier, my, my notes, I, it's been too long since I've read this. So my notes are just like random comments that I have to go thumb through the comic <laughs> to figure out how it connects. <laughs> my, my last note is just issue nine, quote, feelings are bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> feelings are bullshit. <laughs> yeah. That's a good quote. <laughs> And granted, again, it's been a long time since I've read Fables, but I do remember, it it seemed like, if I'm recalling correctly, that uh, Bigby, Wolf, in Fables, um, basically all you know about him at first is that he mended his ways and he came over because of Snow White. And that's kind of it. Yeah, I mean, he used to be the big bad wolf and now he's the sheriff. Right, right. And you kind of, they build his character as it goes. And uh, I just think he's fleshed out super well in this, and, and the game, too. Another thing about the, this Bigby's look in the story, that, like, untucked white shirt, the tie, because of that game, that was, like, my, quote, going out look for, I don't know, five years. <laughs> it's a good look. <laughs> that, like, unkempt cubicle drone on a day off <laughs> or at the end of his shift. <laughs> tie tugged down and shirt untucked. Just, like, constantly looking tired, but, like, purposely looking tired. (laughs) Ready to pick some fights and do some karaoke. Exactly. uh, It was a vertigo for me. You don't have to play the game or uh, read fables at all before you dive into this, if you want to dive into it. Um, If it makes you want to dive into the game, then do, absolutely. I don't think you would be disappointed. Yeah, play the game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say play the game over read the book. If you have to if you have to choose one, like if gun to your head, <laughs> choose either the comic or the game, go with the game. Okay. And choose then life. and then ask the person why they're doing this to you. <laughs> what is their <laughs> obsession <laughs> with this particular story? <laughs> but it is a good story and it's a lot of fun. And it is uh oh, one last note on on this. It is a clever, smart feeling way to update fairy tales because I think we see that a lot in other media yeah. like movie adaptations. This is Snow White but dark. And this it's not is, dark at all. This is <laughs> this is Little Red Riding Hood but dark. And Gary Oldman's there. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like Twilight with a red hood. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um and this manages to do that. Yeah. It is for adults. This is not for little children. Yeah. But it does it in a way that resonates. And it's 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 all about it's all about character and like they make they make the mythological story time characters into like real living breathing characters. Right. You, know, you take a take an archetype and flesh it out. That's the key to the success of fables for me. Um, it's it's only adult in that these are adult people dealing with adult issues. It's not like it's forced darkness. Oh no, no. Or no. Uh, like it's not Snydered. <laughs> <laughs> It's not Batman being, quote, raped in prison. <laughs> Which, yeah, look that up. That's what Zack Snyder said he wanted to do with Batman. He wanted to have him raped in prison. <laughs> I am literally quoting Zack Snyder right now. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, uh, Vertigo overall for The Wolf Among Us. But the game's better. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. It is very good. Read it and play it. So, end of the show time. Um, Like and subscribe. Feel free to share this podcast with anyone who you think would enjoy it or people you think will hate it. I don't care. 
Like and subscribe, follow us on Twitter at Vertigo Voices, Instagram Vertigo Voices, or email us at the address vertigovoices at gmail.com. Send us a love letter or some hate mail. Thank you for listening. Uh, to those of out there of you who are, I know uh, quite a few. I didn't uh, uh, save your comments. Um, like my cousin Lee. Thanks for listening, cousin Lee. Cousin Lee. <laughs> cousin Lee. Gotta save cousin Lee's comments. I like doing comments on the air. Yes. But no, for those of you who are listening, share. Yeah, uh, and also uh, be sure to rate and review on uh, on whatever podcast app you use. If you give us five stars, that would be great. And then just write a little something. It could be something short. Just be like, fuck these guys. <laughs> to hell with these pretentious assholes. Thank you, you very much. You can literally write whatever you want as long as it's five stars. I could give a shit what you write. <laughs> right. I will read it on the air, though. <laughs> I, I guarantee you I'll read it on the air. <laughs> Just, uh, yeah, please give us five stars and type in chicken noises, whatever that sounds like. There's a there's a podcast I like called Total Reboot. Yes. That, like, they do movie reboots and whatever. They did one on the, the old James Whale Invisible Man when the Invisible Man 2020 movie came out. And the whole time they're talking about the thing about when the Invisible Man eats you can see the undigested food inside of him. And he comments about that, like, oh, you can't look at me because I've just been eating. And they talk about how, like, they bring it up over and over. Oh, and you can just see his shit floating around inside of him. And he talks about that. And I ended up writing a review of their podcast that was, I gave it five stars. And then I said, like, I love this show, but it is infuriating to me that these guys don't know the difference between digested food and undigested food. <laughs> Digested food is shit. Yes. Undigested food is when it's sitting in your stomach getting, like, the acid all over it. <laughs> yeah, things away. Yeah. Once it turns into shit, it's invisible in The Invisible Man because it's been processed through his body. Like, they, that's why he brings it up in the story. <laughs> and the fact that that went completely over their head. And they bring it up in, like, three episodes. And every time I'm like, you fucking idiots! Love the show, though. Love the show. <laughs> <laughs> I've listened to a few episodes. It is a very good podcast. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, give us a five star and tell us how big of idiots we are. Yeah, what's something that we fucked up that we didn't catch? Right, right. I can almost guarantee you I've caught it. I just didn't bring it up later. <laughs> <laughs> I know I've made a few mistakes already, and I'm waiting for uh, I'm waiting for someone to jump on it. So, You know what wasn't a mistake from last week? It feels like it should be. What's that? I, I told a story about Swamp Thing about talking about the old Swamp Thing, like the Swamp Thing adaptation. And I talked about being in college 20 years ago. I was like, fuck, that was actually 20 years ago. Was it really? That doesn't seem right. Well, I, I started college in 2002, so 19 years ago. Oh, yeah. That doesn't, okay. that doesn't seem right. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, that has to be a mistake. <laughs> but it's not. Time is a cruel bitch that will beat you into submission. <laughs> good night. Have a good day. <laughs> Thanks for coming.